On this Aviation Special, we take a brand new look at a recommended practice from CDO and the CTA called RP22, what it means for you and your home audio. All that and more next on this Aviation Special. This is an Aviation Special, RP22 and you. Mr. Malbright with Aviation with an Aviation Special taking a look at the brand new CDIA performance criteria called RP22. Before I get into the nuts and bolts of that, first and foremost, my guest, because I can't talk about this by myself, Craig Eggers. Welcome, sir. Nice to be here. Good to see you, Tim. Thank you, sir. Uh, Peter Eilert. Thank you, sir. Hi, Tim. Great to be here. And of course, Mr. Walt Survey. How are you, brother? Hey, Tim. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're going to start with you. Uh, when we look at our RP22, this is a continuation. So, so, so talk for a second about the, the history. September of this year, y'all didn't just say, hey, we should make a standard. And I know it's not a standard, it's a criteria, but it didn't happen overnight. So walk me through kind of how we all got here. Yeah, I'm going to go back in the Wayback Machine here for a little bit. Um, and I did want to clarify one thing you just said, which I think is really important. It isn't a standard. Yeah. Um, it's a recommended practice. And there's there's two words that that make the difference between a recommended practice and a standard, and that is shall and should. If something's a standard, you shall do it that way every single time, no matter what. And with audio, we can't say you should put this speaker in this position every single time, no matter what. Oh, and there's a lot of things in RP22 that, that you, you'll need to have a little bit of create, creative license to do because rooms are different shapes and blah, blah, blah. So that's the reason why it's a recommended practice and not a standard. But not to poo-poo that it isn't a standard. We still follow the ANSI process, okay. which is the American National Standards Institute when we do anything. So it's all consensus-driven, and we we follow the exact same guidelines no matter what we're producing. So I didn't want everybody to think, oh, it's not a standard, um, that it's not as good. So it we, it we couldn't make it a standard. No, I appreciate that. And I, 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 for some here's the thing. It comes to stuff like this, I default to the word standard. So that was really more me correct. We all do. Myself, I, so. I'd like to say it's a standard, but it's technically a recommended. Practice. Yeah. Um, other than that, R10. So um, way back in about uh, 2010, um, I was doing a lot of stuff at the CTA, volunteering to chair a lot of their, uh, that's a consumer technology association. And at the time it was a consumer electronics association, chairing a lot of their, their standards things, um, their audio division, and their audio standards and the actual whole standards group itself. And I was also volunteering at CDIA, uh, so I wasn't CDIA staff. And at, and the CTA was very bucketized. They have video stuff, they have, they have networking stuff, they have audio stuff. And I said, who's looking at all this holistically? Because our industry, we look at all these things. And in particular, we look at how things are, are to be installed. And they said, nobody. So that's when, um, at the time, Mr. Dave Pedigo, who was at, CT at CEDIA, and myself at CTA, we got together and we said, let's create a joint group called R10. And then that's the RP22 standard or the Immersive Audio Design Recommended Practice was done under the auspices of R10. Um, these R groups, that the CTA names are groups with R, so we just kept it as, as an R. So R10 is a joint group between the CTA and CEDIA 
And our sole purpose for existing is to create recommended practices and standards for the installation of technology. So I just want to make sure everybody knew that, that major background. That's why we exist. We're super focused on that. It's administered by CEDIA. We, we, we run the group. But by having that, that group be a joint group, that gives us access to a lot of people and a lot of companies that are CTA members that are the big CE electronic companies. So that helps us with our consensus of getting manufacturers and protocol people to the table. And then Peter, take take us back even maybe even a bit further to the, the early two thousands. Yeah, before I talk about the early two thousands, um, for probably about the last two or three years, the the phrase, the meme, I guess, is so. When will RP twenty two been released? And those of you that are in, installers, integrators, you'll appreciate that the last five percent of a project usually takes fifty percent of the time. And that's exactly what happens to us when we're writing recommended practices and standards. And in, in around, I guess it was 2005, myself and a bunch of others, Walt, Dave Pedigo, a few others, got together and realized, you know what, there was an older recommended practice back then called CEB22. CEB back in the CTA days stood for Consumer Electronics Bulletin. And that was our um, audio, back then it was called Home Theater. And in around 2005, 2006, we got together and realized, well, we've got object-orientated audio, we've got Oro 3D, which is channel-based, we've got all of this new audio stuff, and we need to update it. And then we went down the rabbit hole. And in around 2006, I think it was, five or six, um, I brought to Expo a very, very rough spreadsheet with the idea of how about we introduce different performance levels because CEB 22 was all about reference, 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 reference. And there's actually not that many reference rooms built in the world. And a lot of the industry looked at that and went, no, this just isn't for me. I don't build these rooms. Um, this, is, this, this is for the high-end guys. I'm yeah. going to ignore it. So the first thing we realized about whatever we're going to have to replace CEB 22 with is that it's got to be for everybody. And that, that was a guiding light throughout the whole process, that it isn't just for the 3% that build these rooms. It's actually for the 97% of everyone else who builds rooms at a wide variety of levels. And the, it, a lot of people have said, oh, this has been happening for three and a half, four years. Actually, we kind of began in, in 2016. So this has basically been a six or seven year, year, a year work effort to uh, create what we've created. Tim, yeah, I just sir. wanted to also point out that the, uh, the previous one was called Home Theater Audio Design. And we've gotten rid of all monikers on this. We don't care how you're using uh, audio, whether it's gaming, uh, music, wellness, cinema, uh, we don't care. So it's, it's not home theater centric anymore, which I think is, is important to know. All right. So we, we, we've kind of danced around this for a second, given the, the, the back, back history. 2017, I think, is the year that we're all going to agree on. That's when you guys started, Right. And, and to Peter's point, the last 5% takes 50% of the time. I guess the best way to ask this is, what took so long? I guess the thing that took so long is that anyone that has been involved in, in standards calls appreciates that quite often you end up having deep, deep, deep discussions over a single word. Really quickly, Peter, is that because it's a recommended practice? Because folks have been looking at this and... 
that one word, to, to Walt's point, sh, you know, shall versus should, or, you know, is that why we're, we're honing in on single words? We have to hone in on single words because sometimes single words matter and the industry latches on to single words. Okay. And if you haven't defined the single word, then everything that stems from the word goes completely awry. And as an example, the industry constantly talks about reverberation time, reverberation time, reverberation time, reverberation time. And you guys in the commercial world that do houses of worship and football stadiums and shopping malls, yeah, you have reverberation. In the kind of size rooms that we work in, they're too small to have statistical reverberation. So I think we spent about a month, literally a month's worth of discussion, so four meetings, deciding that we weren't going to call it reverberation, we were going to call it reflection decay time. And although the, the number we give to it is still RT60, reverberation time 60 dB, um, we decided to more accurately call it reflection decay time to really focus people's minds that what we're dealing with with small room acoustics is very, very, very different to when you have to deal with large room acoustics. So little, little things took a huge amount of time to, to decide upon. And also the, the scope took a long time to, to agree upon. We, we have a recommended practice. It's not a teaching document. It's not a dummy's guide to home cinema, home theater, whatever you want to call the room. It is, it is quite an engineering-led recommended practice. And we could have gone on and on and on and on and on and produced a 2,000-page tome. In the end, it's 147 pages. Uh, but there were a huge amount of discussions just around the the scope of something and often we went really 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 wide and then spent a considerable amount of time editing a huge amount of wide conversation down to focus in on what it what really matters for the community and how might we write that in a very very concise very readable and most importantly very applicable way and when you talk about the mechanics of that um, a lot of the written foundation was created. A lot of work was done by Peter and others in writing those uh, those initial foundations. But ultimately, um, those were brought up to the entire group for comments. And there was a lot of editing that went on along the way. But without the support of people laying the groundwork um, and, and putting pen to paper, um, this thing probably would have taken a lot longer than it did. Yeah, and Tim, we had 20-plus people on every call, so you've got a lot of opinions, and they all have to be heard because we follow the ANSI process. So right. that, you know, each person, N person equals N time. I, I will keep that in mind during my next meeting and, short, and, and shrink it. It was a team effort, and that was what was so neat about this whole project. Um, there were competitors that were uh, present in all the calls, and nevertheless, um, all of those competitors put aside their competitive juices and really work together to create this one unified vehicle um, that ultimately is going to uphold more professionalism and performance within our industry. But what is really, really neat is those competitive juices were set aside. We all work together for an industry document. See, that, that is really cool to see, um, you know, get, getting really smart folks together regardless of where they work. Yeah. I want to get into the, the levels, and I'm going to go over them really quickly, but I want each of you to kind of comment on these. Level one conveys basic artist intent. Level two 
is a higher level of performance that more accurately conveys artist intent. Level three meets or exceeds reference commercial cinema standards and level four achieves the maximum level of performance across every parameter. Peter, we'll start with you. Conveys basic artist intent. Are we, how do we get there? I guess that's one question that. What, what's the artist intent? Those that know me know that I love my analogies. So here's, here's my best analogy for performance levels. Okay. Imagine you go into an art gallery and you're, you're staring at a piece of art and it's covered by a piece of glass and that glass is just dirty. It's dirty and you're looking at this piece of art and you're going, well, I can kind of see it. I can see it's a landscape. I can see there's a sun and there's some hills, but the glass is just too dirty for me to really see what the artist was trying to do. You clean the glass to the point that you go, oh, okay, I get it. It's an impressionist. I can, I can see different layers. I can see some perspective. I get what the artist is trying to do. That's level one. You clean the glass a bit more, then you start seeing some brush strokes, you see some texture, you see some color graduations, you see a lot more detail. That's level two. You clean the glass until the glass is completely clean. You know, the, the glass is a really clean piece of glass and the full glory of the art comes out to you. That's level three. You take the glass away, that's level four. That's a good analogy. We can move on to the next question unless you think. Yeah, there you I, go. I, I, in all in all seriousness, you know, Walt, let's get your your take on the on the different levels. What I'm going to say on the levels is the most controversial level is likely level one, because we didn't have levels before, and we're we're putting a line in the sand saying that if you uh, if you haven't met level one, we don't believe that you've met the minimum for artistic intent. You know, level three, okay. reference, sure, reference has always been around. And there's a lot more, to, there's 21 parameters to be met in our levels. Um, people used to just hang their hat on one on thing. Like, it, it hits 105 dB at the, at the reference seating position. So it's a reference system, <clears throat> which would be our level three SPL output target. Uh, but that there's a lot more parameters to that. So that would be level level three um everyone says reference uh but level one never existed um levels we never said look if you can't meet this lo this low bar we don't think that this this system's going to do a decent job at meeting artistic intent but it has everything to do with your room size and your equipment choice it's it doesn't mean it has to be expensive you know the larger the room you have the more money you're going to have to put into gear to cover things but you know a bookshelf speakers and an avr can suffice for level one or level two easily depending on your design and if it's in the appropriate space really quickly well that that's an important point and it goes back to what you guys were talking about when it came to the history of it this is not home the a home theater performance standard this is not a home theater recommended practice you guys are actually honing in on the audio correct and the the perform the, the you know back to the, the artist intent I, I love what you just said there that it could be accomplished with some really great speakers in, in the right room yeah it's all about design as peter will tell you and peter teaches a lot of a lot of he's doing rp22 workshops where people actually work through some of the parameters and it's about design. It's just about knowing what's going to happen and having having your knowledge to know, hey, I can use these speakers in this space because I'm shooting for a level one room. Easy peasy, easy peasy. So it's about getting 
the person, the customer knows what they're going to be purchasing. They know you're going to tell them what they're going to be experiencing. The manufacturer knows their products are going to work properly because you designed them to be used properly in the space. So everybody wins. That's that's the big story here. The interesting thing about um, some of the level parameters is some of the level parameters are bring money. If you've if you've got a large room and you need to hit high SPL, bring money. If you've got a large room and you need lots of subwoofers that can displace lots of air with low distortion at 16 hertz, bring money and bring space. So those there are some bring money parameters. Some parameters are not bring money. They are spatial coordination of the of the room parameters. So let's say you have a, a seat that's right next to a surround sound speaker that's never going to be a high-level seat because your sound field is going to be dominated by the speaker you're sitting to. This isn't to say, okay, Mr. Customer, if you give me more money, there's a solution for this. There just isn't. It's physics. So the reality of the levels is that we've engineered them so the level of the room is defined by the reference seating position and at least one adjacent position. If those two seating positions hit all 21 criteria for a level, then you can call the level of those two seats the level of the room. We then also recommend that the level for every individual seat is predicted. And the reality is that you're, you're going to have the, the, some money seats. You're then going to have a ring around those money seats at a slightly lower level. And as the seats get closer and closer and closer to room boundaries, you might have what I end up calling the drunk uncle seats. So when you've got the drunk uncle round for Super Bowl, and they're sitting on the back row and the bass response isn't great and they're sitting close to a surround speaker you know what that's fine the room might still be a level four room because the reference seating position in an adjacent seat is level four but the reality of of real world rooms and real world designs means that it's going to be very 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 hard to have every single seat in a room to be a high level and that's not a bring money thing to solve that's simply that at high levels if you want every seat to be a high level you need a very small seating area within a very large space all right craig let's get your take on the on the different levels i want to speak to uh, some earlier comments and that is i suppose that there were probably people out there when they heard of rp22 being released thinking that it would address very high-end elite audio systems. And it does that. Uh, following the guidelines can get you there. But when you look at our business, 97%, as was spoke, spoken earlier, 97% of the systems that are installed out there most likely qualify for level one in our performance spec. And I think what's important is that level one is something that's achievable. This is a highly comprehensive document, and uh, it's highly definitive. It, it serves as a guidepost, uh, and employing those um, recommendations can get you to a level one performance system very quickly and very easily. Uh, and to Peter's point, uh, the more you want to spend, the more you want to invest in your system, whether it's uh, acoustics or whether it's speakers or mechanics, all that can elevate you to net, uh, higher levels within this uh, spec. But the neat thing is, is this is a document that addresses our entire industry. That's really important coming from Craig because Craig was in the impetus of Dolby Atmos. Like Craig was 
the guy that, that was la- launching it. a big it. deal. <laughs> yeah, he was the guy that was launching it. So his focus was the mass market and the consumer um, in particular. So I don't, I, I don't know, Craig, if you want to expand on that at all, but that, that's why it was so great having having you on on this work group because you, you knew where Atmos, where Immersive, where, where it started, at least from Dolby Atmos' perspective. Where it was coming from, where it was targeted to, and and the, the marketing and, and the experiential side, the studios, all that stuff. First of all, well, my heart has always been with the high end, and I've been criticized as being too high end for some of the companies that I've worked for. Um, but, you know, our goal, um, our goal in bringing Atmos out of the cinema and into the home was to make it achievable. And um, so in 20... 2014, we began having conversations within Dolby, and immediately um, one of the elements that came up to me was this idea of overhead sound. And how do you reproduce overhead sound in a lot of the environments where, A, you can't install speakers in the ceiling? Um, And we settled on a reflection type speaker, Dolby Atmos enabled speakers, it gave us the type of performance quite frankly, that would qualify for a level one or a level two system within the RP22 spec. But it was about accessibility, bringing this to a, first of all, an early early adopter community, because that's where you launch things. Uh, And then how do we address the early majority? How do we take this to the next level? And the next level um, for me was making those overhead um, audio uh, images available, how to create the creating them in an environment where you could not install speakers overhead, whether you had ceilings that were, were made of concrete or highly ornate designs. So yes, my focus was was very much on how do we make this accessible to a larger community while simultaneously not compromising the performance that we want to build into it for an elite system. So let me let me ask something here because Craig has said this a couple of times that most is I think you said ninety ninety two percent Craig most systems people put in would qualify for level one. I understand the part from the consumer side from the homeowner side. Hey, if I'm putting together um, a request for proposal, not that a lot of homeowners do this, but in documentation or, or when they're talking with with their their um, custom um, installer, they say, you know what, I, I learned about this RP22, I want this in my home, I want this to, to match a level, I want this to reach a level one performance or whichever level. What is the mechanism then for the, the technology professional to achieve that? Is there a mark? Is there a, is there a third party that can go this meets it, or is it some sort of performance testing that they can go check? You know, check. We got level three. Here's here's the documentation that proves that we got level three. What is that mechanism? I think for for the complete picture to to exist for that to happen, I I need to talk about a couple of other recommended. Well, three recommended practice that we currently have in in progress we've we've got quite an ambitious timeline of of producing what we think will tell the complete picture so rp22 is audio design 
We've also got RP23, which is the video partner of it. That's being chaired by the amazing Joel Silver and Jason Dustall. Um, that'll probably be ready in around a year. We've also now RP22 is finished. We've just started RP32, which is measurement and verification of audio. And then there's the thing to tie all of that together, which is RP1. Now, I really like the fact it's number one because it's possibly the most important of the lot. And RP1 is a recommendation for manufacturers to say, please give us these pieces of data in this format, um, measured and tested to this particular industry standard. Because unless we have the data, it's impossible to make the predictions in RP22 that a room is going to hit a certain performance level. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, let's say you have a, in the residential world, we're really, really bad at specs. And you lot in the pro world have been doing this forever. We live and die by specs, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I know. In the residential world, unfortunately, things tend to be driven by the marketing department rather than the engineering department. So a loudspeaker will say something like 92 dB sensitive, and power handling or recommended amplifier. Here you go, recommended amplifier from 50 to 200 watts. Now, I can take a stab in the dark that if it's 92 dB at one meter for one watt sensitive, and I throw a 200 watt amplifier at it, you know what it might do. I don't know if that's long term. I don't know if that's if that's if that's short term. And then you get onto subwoofers. I mean, how many manufacturers actually tell you that the F3 of a subwoofer is at a certain frequency and at the F3 frequency, it will do this amount of SPL and at what distortion? I, I can think of very, very few manufacturers that will actually give me that data. And without that data, I can't make the prediction in RP22. So um, I, I think there's, we're, we're at the beginning of a journey and once we have the set of recommended practices, RP1 to give us the data, RP22 and 23 to say, here are the design guidelines and a set of metrics that you do your design to because you've got the data. And then we'll have RP32 and eventually RP33, which are the measurement and verification recommended practices to say, you've designed according to a certain set of performance parameters, now the system is finished, I would like you to measure and verify that what you've promised me has actually been built. So we're not, we're not quite there yet, and I, and I suspect there'll be lots of conversations at Cedia that are well above my pay grade to, to discuss how might Cedia leverage that as an opportunity so that we can possibly in the future actually have some kind of accreditation scheme with accredited people that can look at designs, accredited people that can go into a project and measure and verify that, that what we've hit is, is going to hit those targets. And we've, we've already began a revolution. I know of five manufacturers in the, just the UK alone that in the last month have bought a Clipple near-field scanner so that they can actually get data on their loudspeakers to give to us as the community who are becoming engineers and understand how to use that data to make the prediction to give to give our customers better systems. Um, this week I taught a two-day workshop in London. It was the first two-day RP22 workshop that, that we've wow. ever taught. 
and there were some fantastic cinema installers in the room. And one of the challenges I gave them is they all had some room designs. And I said, use the kind of product set that you would for that kind of room and tell me if A, you can have a stab at um, telling me what the performance level is and B, what performance level did you, did you come up with? And a lot of them were very, very surprised. A, at the lack of data and B, when they had barely enough data, but they, they muddled through the fact that they've been building rooms that don't even hit level one. And what they were really surprised about is that to get them to level one, it isn't about bringing lots more money. It's just about designing the room sympathetically. And um, my analogy is that the, the products we use are, are the ingredients and that we have recipes now that are the recommended practices and we are the chefs and consumers when when you choose a restaurant it's unlikely you're going to go to a restaurant for the raw ingredients they use you're going to trust the chef to buy the right raw ingredients to produce magnificent dishes and this is how i hope our work will realign the industry that when consumers go to cinema designers it won't be i want this product and this product and that product that's like going to a chef and saying, you know, I want you to use these raw ingredients. It's just not what happens. We go to chefs and say, cook me a magnificent meal. And a great chef can create a great meal from really good, but very basic raw ingredients. And I think it's the same for cinemas that a really, really great cinema designer can create a great cinema um, with relatively modest raw ingredients, but using fantastic recipes. And it's those recipes that we're writing. Peter, you, you really do have great analogies. You know that? You, you I should, do my best. You should write a book or something. You should write a book called Analogy. That was seriously good. Um, as we wrap up here, guys, what, what else do we need to know about RP22 that we haven't covered yet? If you just look at how you label channels, it's a mess. Um, there are four different... If you label channels, let's start there. <laughs> well, you better darn well be labeling stuff or... Uh... You know, that we didn't make that a requirement, but we probably should have made that a requirement. But anyway, um, we came up with our own schema for labeling, you know, uh, left, center, right, all those things. Uh, if you look at all the different formats, there's a chart in there of a, of a simplified way to do labeling. There's a lot of things in the appendix, additional information uh, that's very useful. Uh, there's a lot, there's normative and informative references. So normative reference means that we, we talk about it in a document. Uh, we talk about another paper, another standard in the document. Oh, and here's, here's the one that we were talking about. Here's where you find it. And informative is, Hey, here's some more information that, you know, just can help you learn more about this particular thing. And we put those in the document as well. Um, the document is also just from a standpoint of ease of use. It's been created from an electronic ease of use point of view. Uh, everything is hyperlinked in the document. You can go in the table of contents if you had the document on an e-tablet or a computer and just click from the table of contents. It'll take you right to the section of the document you want to read. But then at the top, there's a table of contents hyperlink that will zing you right back to the table of contents. So we thought since it's 140 odd some pages or, 100, or I think that's how big it is. Uh, navigation was, was key to be able to get, get yourself in and out of things quickly. We focused on levels, um, and levels are listed all in Appendix A, which is two pages. 
the entire document is 147 pages. So the majority of the document is talking about how might you achieve those levels in rooms. And there's a whole bunch of new stuff there. Um, there's a really great section describing when we say this sounds good. Well, what, what, what does that mean? There's um, a new section in there on how to choose loudspeakers. There's a brand new rewritten section on room acoustics. There's an updated section on isolation. There's a, an amazing section where we briefly talk about Dolby and DTS and Oro, but then we suggest a unified speaker layout that, that unifies all three because our customers don't care. Our customers have content. They want to play their content and have it rendered really, really well. They're not going to look at the box and, and, and check what the, what the format is generally. And the radical thing about our new way of laying out speakers is the old way was all with angles. The new way, we've, we've got rid of angles. So rather than angles to a single seating position, we're talking about a zonal approach to loudspeaker positioning based around the entire listening area. And the only loudspeakers in the array that we reference angles for now are the wide front speakers. So it's, it, it's not just about performance levels. It's 170, mm. 147 pages of very robust and relatively detailed conversation around what is good sound, what is good spatial resolution, what is good timbre, what is good dynamic range, and then the rest of the recommended practice describes uh, some really, really good best practice of how to achieve that. I was gratified that uh, Peter said speakers and not channels, because in an object-based environment, there are no such things as channels anymore. Um, but uh, just a couple quick comments. Um, the document is highly definitive, as I said earlier. It's very comprehensive. But I think what's really also important is that it's intended as a living document. And it's going to benefit in the future from inclusion of future tech, possibly drilling down further on some of the elements that are within the document itself. I know just from my participation in the group, it was a learning experience. I didn't realize how much I did not know uh, about this industry, about performance. And so I'm gratified to come away from this with a, a, a higher knowledge base that I came into the process with. Uh, and I'm sure that's going to be the case with everybody that has a chance to peruse the doc and, and incorporate the document in their, in their performance and in their designs. We also talk about screens and how speakers and waveguides and things behave behind screens. That's some great information. Um, what I want to talk about since Craig said it's a living document. We didn't talk about some things. We didn't talk about what to do with the center channel with a large direct view display because there isn't enough data on that yet. That's an emerging area. Yeah. Um, we didn't we didn't go into crazy new things that are happening in, in base. There's a lot of great developments happening in base. There, we're not quite ready to talk about it yet. So we will be doing revisions when there's more information to talk about those things. And then the last part is, yes, this... Being involved in standards ends up being, or R10 standards, ends up being professional development. And then, oh, and by the way, we end up doing a document uh, to boot. Uh, you get to talk to people you never talked to, <clears throat> interface with people you would have never interfaced with, learn a boatload. So my whole pitch here is we're dealing with regular folks, integrators, manufacturers, protocol people, and anybody listening to this cast can be involved as well. So I, I, I encourage everyone to get involved it, it, we want to be as diverse as we can be. We like all walks to be in this. 
uh, in everything we do. So it's not a closed group that creates these things. It's literally, even at trade shows, we'll walk around, we'll meet somebody. You should get involved in, uh, in, in the standards. Who, me? Yep, you. Great. Give me your email. Walt will set you up. Now you're in, in the group. So uh, I, I want to make this as a plea as well. Anybody that would love to get involved will take you. You just one requirement need to be a CTA or a CDM member. I do want to underscore one thing though, and that is our group really compromised a wide swath of the industry to begin with. We had speaker manufacturers, we had installers, we had hardware companies, we had people who write code, we had studio mixers on the calls, we had people who specialize in acoustical environments, people who specialize in research and audio. Um, there was a huge, huge. Um, diversity of, of opinion as well as knowledge that became part of this uh, RP22 document. We also had Simti and AES review the document. Oh, very cool. Which is, uh, we had 360 comments that we went through every single one before we released RP22. And to have the blessing of the, uh, the T TSS 27, I think is the group number, uh, I could have that slightly wrong from Simpty that deals with immersive audio and then the immersive audio area of the uh, audio engineering society. It was really important for us to have buy-in from them and for them not to say, you guys are nuts. You know, we, we need, we specialize in small room acoustics where Simpty is large room. They're completely different animals and small rooms are hard. Uh, well, we've talked about the document. So let's end this by saying, how do we get our hands on it? How does somebody go out right now and get their hands on the RP22? I will give you a link, Tim, to put in the uh, in the show notes. It's free. You just go to the website, you put your information in, and 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 you download the document. Uh, if it isn't free, it's going to hinder adoption. So we want everybody and anybody to have it. All right, very good, gentlemen. That'll do it. Craig Eggers, thank you so much. How do people get a, get a hold of you if they want to? They can contact me through my email, craigvincent2020 at gmail.com. All right, very good. Mr. Aylett, thank you, sir. How do people connect with you or Officina Acoustica? Officina Acoustica. Officina. You, you, I, mean, you, I almost you know, had it. Kind of with, with some Italian gesticulation. You can reach me at peter at officinaacoustica.com. Well, I better not screw this up. How do people connect with you or Cedia. Yeah, you got that one right. And All right. Peter, you do have the most fun company name to say. Absolutely. I, I definitely say that. Uh, I'm just W Zerbe, Z E R B E, at cedia.org. There's also um, uh, standards at cedia.org if uh, someone wants to get involved, or you can just email me. Perfect. All right. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find programs like this and a host of others. All that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.